Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Is it ever too late to learn new stuff? That's among the questions we'll try to answer on this week's edition of the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. Manny and I are joined by Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs. We're going to talk about the A-word, analytics, the single word that divides baseball fandom. What is analytics, and what is it about the term that makes the eyes of my generation of baseball fans completely glaze over? Dan and Manny are going to try to do their best to teach this old dog some new tricks. Let's learn something on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back with Dan Zimborski right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Manny, over the years, you and, I, you and I have had some spirited discussions on the topic of analytics. Um, I'm an old school baseball guy, but uh, I've, I've been trying to learn. Aside from the nonsense about killing the wind, that's just nonsense. Aside from that, I think I've been pretty open-minded as a new stuff you've tried to uh, educate me yeah, about. Yeah, so I'll give you that, Mark. And, some, yeah. and, I, and you know, I got a long ways to go. I, I don't totally understand war. I don't totally understand all this other stuff. But I thought tonight would be a good opportunity for you and your guest to uh, help educate this old dog and teach me some new tricks. What do you say? I think so. Uh, we've got a great guest on, especially for Rockies fans. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Dan Zimborski, <laughs> senior writer at Fangraphs, <laughs> contributor to ESPN, creator of the, Zimbor- the Zimborski projection system, wow. uh, which is Zips, uh, which is uh, one of the mm-hmm. most accurate, uh, has proven to be one of the most accurate projection systems out there. And that's what Fangraphs uses. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're pl- we, are, we are pleased to have him on. Dan, thanks for doing this. And, uh, you know, first of all, don't try to endear yourself to Rockies fans on this. All right. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, We're good. good. Uh, we don't know what Rockies fans are doing tonight. There's not, not a lot they can do at the moment, but I, I'm sensing some some uh, cynicism there, Manny. Uh, is Dan not in, in good good place with Rockies country? Well, I don't know. I just I, I, I enjoy um, I enjoy the banter, the Twitter back and forth between Rockies fans and Dan. And I mean, I've, I've jumped in there a few times, but it's I, I, <laughs> Dan looks at this um, with uh, clear eyes from a statistical point of view. 
And I tend to agree with them most of the time as far as the Rockies and their, um, so, you know, we're not going to talk about specific players, but we're going to think we'll have some fun as far as uh, talking about how the Rockies in the past several years have put themselves in a really bad spot um, because he deals with projections. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's the best, best in the business. And the, uh, you know, teams have their own projection systems that they use and, and the Rockies they're, they have uh, they don't use Dan's notoriously <laughs> no well they don't they're notorious for not valuing their yes well. very true and, uh, very and true. that's really what I think we want to get into Dan and I, I do have one I do have one question yeah, for go Dan. Ahead. if you're a hall of fame voter are you voting for Todd Helton I, I I still have uh, four years to go until I'm a hall of fame voter well, well I would he, vote he, for Helton okay well then Rockies fans should be happy right there that's that's yeah, all they, they should be man uh, okay. yeah right. that's fair all right guys um let's start with the big one war um, wins above replacement. As many as you've I've talked about, we've talked about this around Spielborgs and others. War is an inexact science. Is that fair? Um, yeah. The fact that there's different war for different from different outlets, I think is what gives ammunition to people from my generation who say, well, that, that can't be real statistics. It's not concrete. How do you respond to that? I think one of the things you have to consider about war, it's it's a summary in a lot of ways. Like when your doctor examines you, it's a summary of your conditions and a blend of that and objective data. Uh, so you're not necessarily going to have two doctors agree completely on a diagnosis from one person to another. Because is that uh, because some evaluate certain things more importantly than others? Yeah, there okay. at some point there's a philosophical uh, uh, evaluation of how you value someone because you value players relative to other players, and so you're 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 establishing a baseline. That's what replacement level. Uh, essentially is I always it's kind of a, a difficult concept for people who aren't familiar but the way I always say it is you ask them does an average player have value and you say of course an average player has value it's hard to find average players so you I, was call an, yeah, I was one we, I was one I was average was incredibly we average <laughs> we, 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 we wouldn't short. call an average player someone with no value and then you say okay if they put me on the pitching mound would I have any value clearly I would not so somewhere in that huge gulf between an average player and me, the zero has to be in there somewhere. Okay. And we've kind of pegged replacement level to roughly the type of talent that's available that you could freely sign from the minors that's available on the waiver wire at any time. And it's a player who's much worse than average. But, but different sites and different analysts are going to have disagreements on exactly where to put that. Uh, how to apply things like park effects and issues like when you talk about pictures, what is the value? Is it the runs they allowed while you adjust for the defense? Is it a defense neutral stat? That's that's one of the biggest differences between fan graphs and baseball reference war. So the objective and the construction is is pretty much the same, but you are going to have slight differences just on, on philosophical ways to look at the data. So yeah, you shouldn't consider war an exact science in the way you're not counting war. Uh, you don't say someone with 5.1 war is better than someone with 5.0 war. But we're pretty sure a player with five war in a season is has contributed significantly more than a player with one war or zero war. Uh, you just have to be cognizant of, of the difference and and that these are broad, broad numbers. And I think that uh, and just going on, you know, just on top of what Dan just said, but Mark, you mentioned the, um, the, the generational divide here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, we're not going to be ageist here, but the, the fact of the matter is that that's, those are the lines that usually falls upon. Yes, no question. Um, and the, the issue is, is that, you know, yeah. when, you, when you grow up with batting average and RBIs, 
they're counting stats and mm-hmm. you, you can count them. You can, you can, you know, you can, you know, if a guy has three thirty four 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 seven five whatever you can, you can get to an exact number. Whereas with wins above replacement, you know, we're dealing more in, we're dealing more in the theoretical, but at the same time, it gives us a good understanding of the, the, the value that a player uh, produces but, but the numbers do factor in right you guys have a math well yes the numbers formula. factor in explain to me the mathematical formula i wasn't very good in math but explain to me the formula that, that's easier said than done i'll let dan take a shot at that but that's easier <laughs> said than done okay. well obviously they're going it's going to be a very brief summary because you can really get in there right. but essentially you 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 condense things to a run value for um hitters uh you're talking first the, the effect of their offense and Offense is one of the easier things to model uh, with. If you all you know is a team's on base percentage, slugging percentage and at bats, you're going to be within three percent of their actual runs total uh, uh, about ninety five percent of the time. That's just it's okay. it, that's not a huge mystery. So you you kind of know how many runs they created. Uh, there's different stats that do this. Bill James has runs created. You see WRC. You see all these things that just take different spins, different weightings. But generally, it's on one level or another on base percentage and slugging percentage. Those are pretty old numbers too, but they actually kind of work pretty well. And then you have to make an estimate of a player's defense and then the value of playing the position like a, an 800 OPS shortstop is much harder to find than an 800 uh, OPS first baseman. Uh, So once you have a number of runs, then it's kind of divided by how many additional uh, runs a team needs to, to add a win to their standings. Uh, now, you don't get to have them all in one place. Uh, there's ways you can test this empirically, like distributing them by random and seeing how many games it turns. But generally, it comes out to, depending on the league environment, about 10 runs above replacement is one win above replacement. Uh, and that's pretty much what it is. For pitchers, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, the two major approaches are baseball reference approach which starts off with the runs allowed and adjusts for estimates of the team's defense or the fan graphs method which uses FIP which is based on home runs walks and strikeouts the things that a picture most has under their control and deriving it from there uh, and again you have a replacement level picture uh, it's set pretty much the same way as batters are the the talent that's freely available and then you're, you know you're basically counting runs uh, a picture who allows 30 fewer runs after various adjustments uh, relative to a replacement player was we would say was was worth about three wins three mm. war yeah it, it so, can be a little tricky when we're talking wins and war and right 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 the, the terminology can get kind of um convoluted a little bit but but it's uh, like 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 dan is alluded to you know baseball reference and fan graphs those are the two main i mean you know those are you know baseball perspectives has there but those are the two that are i would say most used and um so we have f war for fan graphs war and we have v war for baseball reference war and uh they but again they focus on different things like with pitchers you know there's a difference between focus you know focus on like like Dan mentioned, fifth fielding independent pitching, like you strip out the defense, you know, and that focuses more on like, okay, how much, you know, yeah, you lose a little bit, you know, there, but you know, it's really the, 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 the emphasis is placed, the weight is placed on what the pitcher had in complete control himself, walks, strikeouts, home runs. Um, and so, you know, Van Graff's, uh, I think is, is, is more interested in that, for example. And there's some, I'm not going to name a guy, but there is a guy that we, we know, here that um gets a lot of ground balls and uh his war uh 
his war, but he doesn't get as many strikeouts. So his war is there's a big gap between the BR war and Fangraphs hmm. war like that. So that that's kind of where, you know, you you know, people say, oh, there's a different, you know, they just they just they malign the whole thing because they say right. there's different this and different that. But there's reason for that. There's like again, like said, there's a philosophical difference on what your weight, you you know, what you're putting more emphasis on with respect. But is to there? Stats. But is there a big gap normally between the two, or is it usually small- not? But in cases like with the guy I was just alluding mm-hmm. to, right. yeah, they can. They, sometimes that can be a mm-hmm. relatively big gap. Dan, I personally think defense, and I was a pitcher, so duh. I personally think defense is the most down, undervalued part of baseball. I think it's the most beautiful part of the game. I, you know, the web gem is is my favorite thing. Does that is that weighed heavily enough? Do you guys think? Because I, honestly, I don't think you can give guys like you know great players who who are tremendous defensive players. I don't think you can give them enough credit. Uh, I, I think we do weigh it uh, correctly. I, at least I hope we do. There's there's kind of two parts of defensive uh, uh, measurement in war. First, we have a positional adjustment, which gives a lot more credit to shortstops and second basemen and, and center fielders. You just get essentially a, a, a few runs in the value just for being able to adequately play the position. Because it's a more difficult position. Yeah. It, okay. If you can have a okay. shortstop defensively and a first baseman <clears throat> defensively, an average shortstop is a lot better a defensive player than the average first baseman. And then we kind of measure relative to their peers. And that, of course, is tricky because when a player hits a home run, you, you can count the home run. Right. But it's very tricky to count something that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. Like you could say how many times uh, you got in a car accident. But it's really, really hard to say how many car accidents you would have been in if you hadn't avoided them. Uh, so it's, it, 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 it's tricky. It's, it's error prone and we could do it broadly, but you don't have the same accuracy. Obviously, I, I get all that. And that makes sense. Except that for instance, you mentioned the first baseman, I think a, a gold glove that we mentioned Todd Helton earlier, a guy like Todd Helton saved so many bad throws from infielders or, or rush throws or hurried or whatever. And that looks like a regular six, three in the, in the scorebook, but it might not have been, it might've been, you know, a spectacular play at his end that just goes as an ordinary play that I don't think is given enough credit. By the way, well, Dan, before you, before you answer that, we're, that's a sore spot in this region because of Ian Desmond in particular. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure we'll mention that a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. That he, wasn't so Yeah. Good. Well, that, 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 that kind of gets uh, people mad at me when we talk Ian Desmond. Right. <laughs> uh, well, a first baseman, I mean, it, he does have value. If you look at say war for Keith Hernandez or other right. top defensive first baseman, yes. they get a lot of war. Uh, and really the only downside mm. is just that they're first baseman, not shortstop. So the shortstops do get bigger bonuses. It, it, it's There's, there are some shortstops out there that owe those bigger bonuses to first base. Well, I mean, baby, you got to look at it, Mark. You got to look at the field. You got to look at the, um, the chances for the first baseman. I mean, I, you know, I, I know you, you can say that the first baseman is seeing a baseball a lot more often than a shortstop is, but he's seeing a baseball that is, that is usually thrown in his vicinity, right. whereas a shortstop, um, you know, a shortstop brings more value uh, at his position because of number one, the range he's got to have, he has to have, for example, going up the middle, going in the hole and all that. Uh, he, he's got to cover a lot more uh, ground than a first baseman. Has hey, to man, let, me ask you, let me ask you a theoretical question. Cause I know, right. I think I know the answer. Who's a better defensive player, Keith Hernandez or Derek Jeter? Keith. That See? Easy. That's my point. I, no, I but think, that's but that's but that's because Derek Jeter is not a very good was not a very good well, shortstop. His See, range the thing was is limited. That, yeah, because the thing mm-hmm. is is that you have to you have to you have to put them in their categories, right? Like it, like you're you're comparing Derek Jeter. You, you know, War helps us c- uh, compare across 
positions right. because there's a positional adjustment. Which is awesome, but, by the way. That's fantastic. Yeah, that, well, that's that's the whole thing. That, that's <clears throat> yeah. the idea, which is why mm-hmm. people like Dan and people who have you know done some of these projection systems and help you know the, you know um, the elements that we have we we have that that combine to to give us war. Mm-hmm. It's great because yeah, it's not the be all end all, but it's it's a nice it's nice to be able to put a number on mm-hmm. a guy. That's oh, just yeah. a fact. I... But with first baseman, you know, Keith, you stick Keith at shortstop, okay, and you have him compared to other shortstops. It's different. I'm not so sure. He, I played against the man a lot, and I'm not so sure he could. Oh, no, it'll be so sure because he, he was came, awesome. Like Mickey Mantle played shortstop <clears throat> a couple of games too. So, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's fun to think about, but mm-hmm. at, at the same time, it's it's apples and oranges. And then when you do the positional adjustment, that's when you can kind of, you know, even the playing field. Uh, pun intended. Dan, let me talk about pitch uh, pitchers for a moment, and we'll get away. We'll slide away from WAR to some of the other pitching stats. I think WHIP was a is a stat that was way overdue. It should have been part of baseball years ago. I mean, we've always, as we've always been preached to as kids, a walk is as good as a hit. Well, it is. And so uh, by letting more guys on base by a walk, I think uh, those guys need to be penalized. I think whip is a fantastic stat. What are some of the other pitcher stats that you, that have been developed in recent years via analytics that you think are particularly helpful? Well, you see one, one thing you've seen a lot is something called X stats. Uh, I, I do something on my own called Z stats, and these are essentially numbers to estimate, uh, based on velocity of balls hit and where how well a pitcher did uh, because on, on, on some level we were trying to extract what a pitcher did and what a, and what a defensive player did and that's a very that's a difficult challenge it's something that you you can't do with 100 percent accuracy right. or anywhere close to that but it's it, it goes back to the whole willie keeler uh hit them where they right. hit them where they ain't mm-hmm. We want to know which pictures were bad or poor because they the batters hit them where they ate or they, they were just effective or not. So those kinds of numbers tell us a lot. Uh, and I do a lot of predictions, uh, projections about the future. So I like to know what things predict the future better than others. Uh, for example, one of the things I found very effective for projecting how many uh, walks a player would allow in the future was the rate of their first strike percentage. They got up ahead of the count. And and if you have a guy whose walk rate spikes, but his first pitch percentage stays down, it's more likely his walk rate will go down uh, next year. Uh, and, and and things like that, that, that kind of decodes some of the mystery of baseball and, and give us an idea. And obviously teams want that to have an idea who they should be paying uh, on the team next year. It's, um well, for, don't, don't get me started on the whole pay for performance stuff. We went through that in the, in the, uh, in the 90, in the early nineties with the owners. So um, <clears throat> that, I, that's not a good, I don't, yeah, I I'm not going to give the owners favorite. credit for that, for trying to come up with that idea, but it is a good way to evaluate. There's no question. And I think um, the more tools you have to do an analysis with, the better you're going to be in evaluating a guy, uh, his effectiveness going forward. I, I, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. It, it's the thing is, is that I remember doing it. A game it just comes to mind but um i when i was an intern in uh in chicago it's actually funny it was, it was the day a-rod came back after that whole surgery hip surgery and the mm-hmm. whole steroid thing you know going on and andy pettit was on the mound and i mean he was dying by i think my gamer had something like dying by a thousand death by a thousand blue Paper singles cuts, yeah. you know <clears throat> and uh and it's because you know he had he did everything he needed to do to get soft contact to get what you want as a pitcher in terms of like X stats, if you had looked at his, um, the XBA, you know, X batting, expected batting average based on how hard it was hit and where and the, ang- and the, and the, ex- uh, the launch angle, it would have looked pretty good. You know, I mean, it's small sample, but it would look really good. And, you know, he's down seven, nothing, 
you know? So this is the way, this is why we like X stats because we can kind of isolate the variables that you have. You're, you're not in control of as a pitcher. You're not in control of lo- the, the, uh, the necessarily the defensive shifts, luck, wow. um, defensive, poor defensive play. Cause you know, when you, when you, when you uh, slap a guy with an error, it's not always an error. And when you slap a guy, you give a guy a hit, it's mm-hmm. not always a Absolutely. hit. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely true. So, so, so when you strip all of that out, you get a little bit closer to how a, a, a pitcher, for example, performs. Same goes for, you know, Tracy, you know, we argue about this all the time. He's like, home run's a home run, you know, it counts all the same. I'm like, no, I mean, look, if you hit a ball 480 feet, that's a better home run than if you hit a wall scraper, okay? Um, and the reason why is when you take them all, and put them together. Uh, it's kind of like Dan was talking about. You are looking for um, information that tells you about a guy, his talent level, and and what is going to happen in the future. If you you look at the guy, let's just pick. Um, we won't say a name, but let's just say someone playing, you know, in Houston with the uh, Crawford boxes. You know, you know, you go on the road and you're trying to get a base hit. You go home, you're trying to pop a ball up the left field. You know, so um, the, the idea is like and, and the X stats are like X home runs, expected home runs. Those kind of give us an idea. You know, it's not perfect because we can't you know, we can't do it. It's based on all data. It's not just based on each ballpark. And hopefully one day we can do it by ballpark and, and do it that way. But the bottom line is, is that we're trying to, to, to get, you know, take away the excess that we don't want in there to see how to kind of isolate how a specific individual perform yeah and i can hear let me ask you this i can hear guys in my generation saying this repeatedly and i've said it repeatedly i've told man it's repeatedly over the course of 162 games all that stuff evens out you get you'll get three line drives caught and three blue singles drop in and it all evens itself out does the numbers back up that statement it actually takes longer than 162 games which is a lot of the Hmm. reason why we project things the way we do Uh, i'll give an example it's an old example so we shouldn't be going over any lines here uh, uh, Kurt Schilling in 2005, he, he was approaching 40. He had an ERA near six for the Red Sox. He was in the bullpen for part of the season. And a lot of people said he was done. Uh, now, a big thing when you looked at, 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 at Schilling that season is his, his walk rate was still very good. His strikeout rate was actually better than it was the year before when he won 21 games. Hmm. Uh, but what happened was that his hits went way up balls in play, uh, you know, balls in play that aren't home runs. Batters had a, a, a like a 390 batting average on balls in play against him. I don't remember the exact number. And that we, one thing we do when we look at that number is that is not something that is sustained historically. For example, one okay. way I've, I've demonstrated this is looking at hitters being thrown into the game as pitchers and they have a collective batting average and balls in play of around 330. So the question is, is, is Kurt Schilling one year after winning 21 games really worse at preventing hits than say a catcher pitching in the ninth inning in the game? So most of the projections at the time, Zips was in its early days, uh, then it was 2005, liked Schilling a lot Hmm. Uh, the season they said because you know those hits are going to come back off and a lot of people said but yeah he looks really bad while he's doing it I'm like yeah but nobody looks good when they're allowing that many hits with an ERA around six it's right chicken and egg you got it's uh, but Schilling did come back next season he won like 15 or 16 games he had an ERA under four it was his uh, his his last Biggish season, I guess you could call it simply because the luck doesn't even out. And that's kind of one of the frustrating things about baseball is ideally from like a math standpoint, you'd want everyone playing a million games a year. 
but we know that's impossible. Uh, so in an essence, just what happens is almost a rough approximation of the truth. And that's one of the fun things and one of the frustrating things about projections. That's why we like XERA a little bit, Mark, is because, again, it's not perfect. Nothing is perfect, but it gets you an idea based on how hard the ball was hit in the launch angle as to whether that should have been, uh, or I'm talking about X, X batting average, that should have been a hit. And then, that, and then you can extrapolate from those, those things uh, what a guy's ERA ought to have been. That's maybe, you know, maybe what's closer to the truth uh, over a large enough sample. Um, uh, Dan, can you um, just give us a, just a kind of 30,000 foot view of Zips and how you came up with it and also the, just the basics on how it works? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, at its core, it's a simple concept uh, that anyone who puts a lot of work in could probably reconstruct one way or the other. In the 90s, uh, a friend of mine named Chris Dial, a uh, very smart chemist, he's, he's way smarter than I am. Uh, we used to talk about putting together a basic projection system uh, that got most of the way there. Because in the 90s, the projection systems were basically uh, fantasy baseball magazine previews uh, and what Baseball Prospectus was doing in the early days. I forget there was Wilt, they had Wilton and Vlad at the time. They had the Guerreros, but I don't remember which one it was. This was pre Pakoda. Well, we never got around to doing that. And in 2002, 2003, I kind of wanted to revisit the idea. Uh, Vorish McCracken had done some research on uh, defense independent pitching statistics. And I thought, you know, I, I bet I could integrate some of these ideas in a projection system. So I, over the course of a year, I spent going through data, seeing what worked. Uh, and obviously the the goal to make a simple projection system had long went past. Uh, it turned out to be very complex and it turned out to be useful to people, which I guess kind of surprised me at the time because I was just curious. I just wanted to see and look at the data. I, I never envisioned that it would be that useful. Uh, but Ziff's at its core, uh, think of it in the way you would almost hurricane forecasts. Uh, whenever you see like a hurricane and being predicted, you see you know, a little graphic of a hurricane somewhere in the Caribbean or the Pacific and like this big cone that stretches out for where it could possibly go. With a player you're trying to do the same thing, you're trying to estimate where they are now and where they're going. It's a two-part process, basically. First, Zips establishes a baseline, uh, which uses a, a player's recent performance uh, weighted more heavily towards recent performance, like the year before than say three or four years before, uh, makes some adjustment based on, you know, batting average balls in play, stat cast data, and it established a baseline expectation for that player at that point in his career. Uh, it then compares that baseline to the baseline at a similar portion or a similar part of their career to every player that we have in the majors going back to the twenties, the minors going back to the early sixties to try to assemble kind of a cohort of similar types of players uh, like Juan Pierre would get a lot of speedy center fielders, fast left fielders with no power while Adam Dunn would get a lot of, you know, high on base percentage, three true outcomes, Rob Deere-esque sluggers. By the uh, way, uh, I'm just going to interject here real quick. Rob Deere is a sore spot for Mark Knudsen. And, sore. Uh, it, it, because because uh, the Frank Thomas's first no, no, hit. No, no. I'm not blaming Robbie for that. Robbie was doing everything off he was supposed to do. Mark Knudsen at County Stadium, and the ball was just absolutely obliterated, oh, please. i got to say, oh, to please. right field. It was a fly and ball. It caromed. 
it caromed off the i think off the top of it was a it was crushed man it was a line yeah. drive it was hit so hard <laughs> it caromed it caromed off the it caromed off he got a triple out of it one of yes because it was a because it was, and, it was a 312 foot fly ball and rob and deer rob, catch, rob deer, deer is a very rob good deer jumps up there and you know again you know Listen. if you have you know if you have you know this is why we have a you know a video defensive yeah. metrics because right. we want to we want to see you know well you know what were the chances of him catching Here, that here's baseball? what we're missing here's what we're missing what we were missing then that day because that was frank's first game in the big leagues and the out, our, our our outfielders our coaches hadn't seen him play before and said, said well we don't know how to play him defensively we didn't do shifting back then so we'll just bunch the outfielders we'll just take away the gaps and give him both lines and we're like, oh, we don't know okay why not try it? So he hits a fly ball that, listen, Rob Deere catches nine out of 10 times because he's busy playing in his normal position. He's camped under that ball. But, you know, that's what. So I'm not blaming Robbie. It was the coach. Okay. Ball. All right. So look, this is a great example. All right. Okay. So you take the, the, the hit, the, the um, hit probability. Okay. You know, when we talk about hit probability mm-hmm. in StatCast uh, and then cash probability, those are two different data sets. You can't, you can't, you know, one doesn't, you know, a lot of people right. ask, oh, well, why is this one this and this one that? They don't add mm-hmm. up to 100. That's not how it works. But, the, the point is, is that if you had that back then, mm-hmm. you could kind of get an idea based on all baseballs that had been hit with that exit. There's not more many, I tell you. Oh, please. That ball was absolutely. Oh, please. Oh, please. Um, you weren't even born yet. What are you talking about? You weren't even- <laughs> I was I was like eight years old. Come on. Oh, okay. Give me some credit. So, uh, you know, you take all the baseball similarly hit with the launch angle exit mm-hmm. velocity and how, what percentage of those end up being hits across baseball. That's the oh, bottom. That's really what it is. It would have been so, fun to have all that information back then. Yeah. So, so we, when you start to get into it, you know, even you old guys can start yeah. having fun with this. Stuff. Well, speaking of old guys, Dan, I've been trying to, and I'm working on this. It's still going to happen. Trying to get Manny across the table from Goose Gossip. Um, Only if you I provide talk, security. I talked to Only Goose the other day. Only if you provide the security. I talked to Goose the other day. We've not set that up yet. He was playing golf in Arizona when I interrupted him in his backswing. But nonetheless, oh, we man, are going to work. Have gotten, uh, a no, he was, he was okay with it. Okay. Uh, he was in Arizona. It was snowing here. Of course, he was okay with it. But Dan, if you were going to sit down with Goose Gossage and try to convince him that analytics was a good thing, where would you start? <laughs> where would you start? Uh, I'm prayer. taking notes. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. It, it would be prayer. I, I think it, it really depends if just people are interested or not, because it's a very different thing than being a player. Uh, players can use yep. analytics for right. things, but it's not necessarily, you know, a player's responsibility to know what the analytics say about them. Uh, it's that's a really right. huge point. It's it, it, that's for me the the fat doughy guys and the and the and the nerds in the front office. So sometimes, you know, you you you're not going to convince everyone, and that's one thing I've learned over the years. You know, right. when I was young, I thought, oh. I just have the right argument to convince everyone, but some people just aren't interested in it. They, they see the world in a different way. They don't necessarily see this, the same value in the same things. Uh, so uh, if, if, if Gossage was reliant to analytics, I'd, I'd probably re- rely on like talking memories and talking baseball, because that's what I grew up loving. Uh, I mean, uh, if, but couldn't, if, but if couldn't if, you say, could you say something like goose based on your war and everything else, you should have been in the hall of fame, five years or 10 years before you were. I mean, I, probably, to me, that, that's the way to win a guy over to say, listen, you're I mean, it depends on the guy. Sense. It does. Yeah, I mean, I literally sat across the table from Larry Walker and I showed him his advanced stats and, you know, I think his eyes glazed over, but he yeah. was, he was appreciative of the, the right. fact that they showed that he was, what should be a hall of famer. But at the same, I think it depends a lot on the, on the guy. Some guys are into it, you know, and some yeah, guys understand everyone's... both sides of, it, you know, well, I, I can tell you this. 
I played with two Hall of Famers, Robin Young and Paul Molitor, who both didn't want anything to do with stats. Didn't want to, didn't go looking at the, we didn't have all that stuff up on the scoreboard all the time. And they didn't want to, you know, see the pregame press releases that had their stats. They just wanted to win. And when they did that, their stats ended up taking care of themselves. When you play the game the right way, you accumulate the numbers, both the philosophically and the hard accumulation stuff. And it all takes care of itself when you're not driven by that stuff. And, and that's why I wonder about guys like Goose, who if he, if he, if we sat down with him and said, and played late, this look how great your career was. You were underappreciated. As good as you were, you were underappreciated. Does that, you think, start to win a guy over a little bit? I think he would think that it was coincidental that you don't need the analytics right. to show how great Probably. he was. Probably. So, of, of course, since he's great, that if the analytics aren't completely terrible, they'll show right. he's great. Like, Joe Morgan was never really big on analytics, even though right. analytics love Joe Morgan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, we were talking about Rob Deere a few minutes ago, and and Rob Deere was almost like a deity of like the internet uh, analytics community in oh, the nineties. Yeah. Way was, ahead of his time. They, yeah, they had the superstar. Oh, Imagine him playing now. Oh, good lord! Era. He'd this be era. a superstar right now. There was something chaotic about him because mm-hmm. his approach at the plate. He made pictures almost irrelevant. He was well, <laughs> infielders. He was either going to strike out on his yeah. own, walk on his own, or hit a home run on his own. Yeah, he wasn't going to hit new double play. Yeah, he was usually going to go about 470 you. feet. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's I mean, he went true. a whole year without grounding into a double play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, that I did not know, but that, that's, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Um, let me ask you this, Dan. I mean, we, we just have time for a couple more questions. Um, the name of the show, Manny came up with the name of the show for Park, the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Explain to Rockies fans why park adjustment is so important when you're doing these stats and how they and how it's done. Well, essentially, park effects are similar to cost of living adjustments. $50,000 like in Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa mm-hmm. is a lot different than $50,000 in New York. So when you're talking about how many runs a, a, a team creates, you need more runs to win in Colorado in, in any stadium because of the, the elevation that the altitude automatically makes that a thing uh so since you need more runs to have wins you need to do more things that have runs and we measure this you can't there's not like experimental data you have to measure it from like how it's applied from observations so uh we will use over a period of years because you need a pretty large amount of data to make these differences meaningful uh the the rockies home away stats and how other batters do in Rockies games at cores versus Rocky games. Otherwise uh, in the nineties, uh, a game in, in, in cores could have runs were almost 50% cheaper, essentially yeah, than in, in other stadiums. Yeah. 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 This was, this was pre humidor. Uh, so, so pictures when you do park neutral stats, pictures will look a lot better and, and hitters will look a lot worse uh, simply because the cost of living, the cost of winning is different. But how, really how, quick, do you, uh, how do you figure that, that out, uh, though? Well, well, in this case, uh, since we know the relative value of runs, like if we say the Rockies runs are 40 percent cheaper uh, in terms of wins, then we apply that to the runs above replacement and say instead of 10, it's six or, or something like that. It's, it's smaller than that now because of the humidor. Hmm. And, you know, we expect half of a team. So that's pre, that's preordained, though. That's predetermined going into a game. Uh, yeah, generally, okay. well, it, it it looks back in time uh, and we do okay. it over a number of years because it's so volatile and okay. pretty much how it works. I mean, obviously, you'd want to have like a magic simulation where you where you actually simulate how balls fly and things, but you, right. you can't really do that. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a practical observation. 
Kind of going off of that, how likely or unlikely is it that we ever get a good grip on the Coors hangover? It's it's hard to say simply because it's a persistent effect, but it's also not a massive effect. It's kind of it's kind of like your back being sore in the morning, but not bad enough that you're going to have a herniated disc removed. That sounds very specific, but I have two herniated discs, so that's why I was thinking of the example. (laughs) And I have a bad Uh, back, so it works. uh, I I think, generally speaking, when we talk about the Rockies, they've done a very good job finding pitching that works in cores, Mm -hmm. and that should be so hard, but it's they've had trouble finding hitters on the road. Uh, And one of the problems that, that it might not be something you can ever solve, that it just makes it harder to play in Colorado, and that's a little unfair obviously but you know you know they say life isn't always fair so. i've always said that whatever gm figures out how to win here uh whenever that happens if that happens i mean they should just they should somehow uh reduce it all to a a a, a symbolic or a you know kind of a, a a representative blueprint and put that in the hall of fame because uh just to figure out <laughs> figure this thing out here um i think they've outsmarted themselves way too much Yes. Uh, over the years and uh and, and sometimes it's just get good players and see what happens and i don't know that they've ever tried to do that <laughs> really purely but uh yeah it's just it's brutal it's brutal but uh well, dan thank you man thanks yeah. for being on with us and we really appreciate having you and i think um i think this 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 podcast hopefully will go a long way toward uh toward rockies fans kind of understanding where you're coming from on these things and uh and uh, hopefully for the ones who uh, who aren't big fans of your this yours, they'll start to understand why you why you uh, say the things you do, which are, you know, usually spot on in terms of the stats and in terms of what the trends are. So appreciate I have that. a bit appreciate of bluntness that. and jokiness that isn't always the most welcome. And understandably, <laughs> so. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, on Twitter you have to kind of you, you know you have to kind of get through that grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah, so. Hey, Dan, I appreciate you coming on as well. And um, I will say that I think I'm going to, after looking at my war on both fan graphs and baseball reference, I got to side baseball reference. I had a better war there. So <laughs> but I got to go. Here's, the, go here's the thing, Mark. Yes. I would not know your war, your war offhand, but I would remember when I was 11 and you were pitching against the Orioles uh, in, in Old Memorial Stadium and Bill Kruger was wild, and you mm-hmm. you got the win after like five or six innings in relief. See, that's what I do remember. Well, that's good. Yeah, uh, I remember that so, game. So we're not really that far apart, I think. We're that's all trying good. to do the same thing. It's just we're doing it slightly different ways. Well, I should well, get bonus what? points you know on my war for, that, for Kruger. That's going to that's gonna lead right into my closer tonight, uh, Mark. <laughs> okay. we're, all, we're, all, we're, all, we're all after the same thing. That's, that's true. We're just that's doing it and coming from different angles. And Dan, when I get Manny in front of Goose, we'll record it. And you'll be able to listen to it. <laughs> If I come will, out alive, you know, that he will be, be representing all we, the analytics. Will, uh, that, that's a win I will keep. You know, and we will try. We're going to try to bridge this alive. gap at some point. Aren't we? The generational gap. Manny's talking if about. Goose Gossage and I can get along. Uh, I think anything's possible. It's like Rocky. You know, if you can change and if I could change, we all can change. You know, so. <laughs> okay. Hey, Dan, yeah, we appreciate like Jack much. Morris. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Go. Appreciate Thanks a lot, Dan. Much. Really Thanks, appreciate guys. your time, man. Manny, you got the closer coming up? Yes, sir. All right, stay with us. Manny's Closure comes right up after this on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. 
Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. As Dan Zimborski said toward the end of today's podcast, whether we're old school or new school, whether we're boomers or nerds, we're all after the same thing, getting to the heart of what we're watching when we enjoy our favorite sport. Baseball is a beautiful game, and all of the intricacies that make it so are what lend our national pastime to so much statistical innovation. It's always baseball that leads the way among major sports and analytics and utilization of data, and that's something we should celebrate, not lament. Sure, things have gotten out of whack in some areas, causing the game to change significantly from even a decade ago. But I'm a firm believer, and I've talked to folks inside the game who have backed this up, that the pendulum will swing back, and the game we all love will remain the game we all love on into the future. John Thorne, the inimitable official historian of Major League Baseball, said on Ken Burns' epic baseball documentary many years ago that any number of things worry him in this life, but baseball and its future are not on that list. I asked John last year whether that remains true now, and he said that it does indeed. If I ever do find myself in a room with Goose Gossage, two things are for certain. First, I'll have a bodyguard with me. And second, my goal will be to try to bridge the gap, which sometimes can feel like a gaping chasm between the old school and the new school, because in the end, once again, we're after the same thing. We all love this game. If we remember that in our debates on analytics and statistical innovation, it'll go a long way toward better outcomes than we see regularly on, say, Twitter. That's the closer for today, and we got a couple of Rich Gossage mentions in there, in the podcast and in this segment, and so our segment here and the name of it are even more apropos this week. And that'll put a purple cap on this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to Dan Zimborski from Fangraphs for being our guest, and thanks to all of you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.